Support for the Pop Shop Podcast comes from Audible, featuring more than 180,000 titles, including the latest releases, bestsellers, romances, thrillers, and lots more. Audible is the world's leading source of audiobooks. Start your 30-day free trial with a free audiobook on audible.com slash billboard. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the co-director of charts at Billboard. Joining me is Billboard.com senior editor Katie Atkinson. Hello, Katie. Hi, Keith. How's it going? <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I'm excited. You're excited? It's Grammy Day. It's Grammy Day. <laughs> Nothing but a Grammy Day. Uh, uh, yes, in fact, um, it is Grammy Day, and uh, the, the, the next sound you hear will be the final <laughs> nomination list for the 58th Grammy Awards. Which, All 98 pages of them. Uh, fi- actually, 52 pages. Oh, okay. 52, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to exaggerate. 52 pages in 83 slim categories. <laughs> um, but yes, today is uh, Grammy nomination day. Monday, we were recording this on Monday as usual. So yeah, we'll be talking all about the Grammys. Grammys, Grammys, Grammys. Grammys. We're taking a break from Adele this week to talk about Grammys. Actually, or sort of. We're going to talk about Adele, Actually, too. we're talking about Adele, too. I lied to you. Um, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast, which is presented by Audible this week, is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the week's big pop news, fun chart stats and stories, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. 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 <clears throat> on this week's show, as we said, the Grammy nominations were announced on December 7th, and we will review all the big nominees, the snubs, and surprises. I don't think there were actually a lot of big snubs and surprises. There were a few. There were a few. There were a few. We'll talk about those. Uh, in addition, we are joined by two-time Grammy-nominated L. King on this week's show. She called in to talk about her thoughts on being nominated, so stay tuned for that chat later on in the podcast. Plus, Coldplay has a new album out, which is heading for a high debut on the Billboard 200 Albums chart. And they're going to play a little thing you may have heard of called the Super Bowl. We'll talk about the decision to select Coldplay as the next Super Bowl halftime performer. I think Katie might have a few thoughts about that. I have a few happy thoughts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Plus, we'll reflect on the late Scott Weiland, who died on December 3rd. Uh, he, of course, was uh, probably best known as the front man for the Stuntable Pilots, but he's also um, had a number of solo albums and Velvet Revolver. Velvet Revolver, and he had his own band as well. Um, so we'll talk about Scott uh, later on. But first, some housekeeping notes. If you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on iTunes so you won't miss an episode. And give us a rating or review while you're at it. If you have any questions for us, feel free to tweet us at Keith underscore Caulfield or at KT Atkinson. And if you want to explore podcasts, more podcasts, not just podcasts, but more podcasts. Even more podcasts. Even more from Billboard. Visit iTunes.com slash Billboard Podcasts. Also, we are going to be doing a special Ask the Pop Shop episode of uh, the Pop Shop podcast here in a few weeks. Um, so tweet us your questions using the hashtag AskThePopShop. Uh, you can tweet me, Katie, or just Billboard. Um, just have that hashtag in there because that's what we're looking for. Or you can just tweet us directly, whichever one you want to do. If you want to save some characters, you can just tweet me or Katie specifically. Please ask us anything, but I want I want holiday music questions. Holiday music <laughs> questions, because um, the show, I think we're, we're going to have it timed around one of the holidays, pro- probably Christmas. 
Could be Groundhog Day. Could be Groundhog Day. <laughs> could be, Who knows? Could be um, President's Day. Yeah. But yeah, uh, <laughs> ask us your questions about the charts. Ask us your questions about the the year that we just uh, had or we're, we're about to close out on. Ask us about your favorite holiday music. Um, you know, all that good stuff. Ask us anything, as ask they say. Ask us anything. Ask the pop shop. <laughs> so Grammy nominations are out. I took a whole bunch of notes this morning when I was reviewing them all. Um, it's a lot to go through. A lot to go through. I think that here's the, here's the big things. Kendrick Lamar has the most nominations this year with 11. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. And then Taylor Swift and The Weeknd follow with the second most with seven apiece. And then Max Martin, the big producer, songwriter, has six nominations, but he's strangely not nominated for producer of the year. I didn't even see that. Seriously? Yeah. That's insane, actually. Yeah. Pr- producer of the year. Well, we'll get to that in okay. a second. Um, <laughs> you um, have surprised me just now. <laughs> yeah. It's a, as I said, there's a lot of, it's not making the same sound. Um, a lot of nominations. Um, what was the biggest surprise to you from at least like the top categories? Because there's four big categories. Record of the year, album of the year, song of the year, and best new artist. I have a pick for biggest surprise out of those top four categories, but what's your biggest surprise? I think my biggest surprise out of the top categories um, was Fetty Wap not being Best New Artist mm. because he came out of the gate. Okay, Trap Queen is a huge song, and that alone would have been impressive, but then he had so many other huge songs that were simultaneously on the charts. Like, he dominated hip-hop radio like no other. Like, he dominated more than people who have been around for years right. this year. And I feel like he definitely should have represented rap in the Best New Artist category. Best New Artist uh, contenders this year are Courtney Barnett, James Bay, Sam Hunt, Tori Kelly, and Megan Trainer. Um, notably, of those nominees, only Bay and Hunt have any other nominations in any other categories. Um, that possibly speaks to uh, the nominees' acceptance by the other branches within the Academy. Well, or and then also for Megan, she was nominated last year in some for, of the major categories, yes. but her actual full album hadn't come out yet. And right. so it, she actually benefited from the rule that they kind of changed because of Lady Gaga a few years ago when she had been nominated for Just Dance a year prior to her big breakthrough mm-hmm. year. And then she wasn't eligible for Best New Artist that year because of Just Dance's early nomination. So Megan Trainer kind of benefited from them changing the rules for that very reason. Certainly Megan, uh, I think Megan's snafu was that her album title, which came out in January, hadn't been released yet. She did have an EP with four songs, but according to the Recording Academy, you have to have an album out um, for to be considered for Best New Artist. And to them, an album is not an album unless it has a minimum of five songs. And her EP, which was also called Tidal, which came out during the eligibility <laughs> not to period. Not confusing at all. Yeah. Her EP that came out called Tidal, that came out during the eligibility period a year ago, only had four songs. Yeah. So she wasn't eligible to be nominated for Best New Artist. Clearly something she probably would have been nominated yes. for. Um, so that's why she's kind of like She's this. earned it a little late, but yeah. she totally earned it. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, there's your nominees for Best New Artist. Not but there is no rap. There's no rap in that category, which is, I mean, I guess we should say, you know, Kendrick dominated and got 11 nominations. So it's not like they dissed rap or anything, but it right. is kind of surprising. Um, record of the year nominees are uh, Really Love by D'Angelo and the Vanguard, uh, Uptown Funk by Mark Ronson featuring Bruno Mars, Thinking Out Loud by Ed Sheeran, Blank Space by Taylor Swift, 
and Can't Feel My Face by The Weeknd. Now, the Record of the Year category, the award goes to the artist and the producer, um, the recording engineer and or mixer and mastering engineer. So it's a, um, it's a production category in addition to a performance category. Um, I think the, the glaring, what the, is the D'Angelo inclusion for a song that I am fairly confident I did not know much about until today. Correct. <laughs> um, it was from his album Black Messiah, which came out earlier this I year. I did listen to it today, though. I listened to it it's today, too. It's a good too. song. It's pretty good. But it's, that, uh, that was my biggest surprise out of that category, yeah. too, for uh, sure. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> I that mean, says it all. All the other nominees are just like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yep. That makes sense. Like, everyone kind of knew Uptown Funk and Cat My Face. Like, if if those songs had not been nominated, yep. there would have been like, whoa! Yep. All yeah. the other nominees are a combination of huge hit and really good song. Yep. And then there's D'Angelo, which you just had not heard of until today. Um, Unless you're an, a big R&B fan. Right. Uh, song of the Year nominees, which is different than Record of the Year, in that the Song of the Year category, which is one of the big four categories, it's a songwriter award. So uh, the nominees are All Right, um, it's it's by Kendrick Lamar um, from his album to, to Pimp a Butterfly, uh, but it was written by Kendrick with Mark Anthony Spears and Pharrell. Uh, Blank Space by Taylor Swift, which is Max Martin, Shellback, and Taylor Swift songwriters. Girl Crush performed by Little Big Town, but it's a songwriter award. Songwriters are Hillary Lindsay, Lori McKenna, and Liz Rose. None of those people are actually in Little Big Town, unless I've completely lost my mind. Uh, See You Again by Wiz Khalifa featuring Charlie Puth. Uh, there's a number of songwriters, which include Charlie Puth and Wiz Khalifa, I believe. Is Wiz Khalifa's real name Cameron Thomas? Uh, yes, it is. There you go. And he actually goes by Cameron on uh, Twitter. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Thinking Out Loud uh, by Ed Sheeran. Songwriters Ed Sheeran and Amy Wadge? Wadge. Wadge. Sure. <laughs> all those, um, I think, make, for the most part, all of them except for All Right are really obvious. And I think it I was... love Girl Crush getting this nomination too because I I really like that song. I think we've had this discussion before on the Pop Shop. I I love that song and I I think that's the perfect country rep for that category. The Song of the Year category usually gets in like uh like they usually find like the critically interesting country song to throw into the mm-hmm. Song of the Year category like um uh, Live Like You Were Dying. Yep. By Tim McGraw. Um they usually they usually throw in. They find a critically acclaimed, successful country song to put into the song of the year category. Almost, it, happen, it happens almost, you know, every year, every other year. So that made perfect sense. Yeah. Um, so I think fairly unsurprising list. Um, and then album of the year, we have do 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 do. Here we go. Sound and color by Alabama Shakes. Sure. Such a Grammy, such a Grammy group. Grammy bait. Yeah. Uh, to pimp a butterfly by Kendrick mm-hmm. Lamar. Uh, Traveler. My boy Chris Stapleton. Chris Stapleton, which we talked about how, like, after the CMA, you know, big wins. Was he going to get that Grammy bump? Yeah. And it looks like he did. He did. (laughs) Um, 1989 by Taylor Swift. Mm -hmm. And Beauty Behind the Madness by The Weeknd. All of them make perfect sense. Yep. I think for the most part, it's a fairly uncontroversial batch of top of, of top four categories. It's like you might not have guessed Alabama Shakes, but you're not surprised to see them there out of that group. Yeah. I mean, I you know, it's fine. <laughs> um, let's see. I, I I made a list of so I, a very short list of things that seemed like 
omissions. Okay. I thought it was curious that The Weeknd's The Hills wasn't nominated for anything. I think maybe it was a little bit too, like, graphic for too the dark. Grammys, maybe? Because I was thinking about that, too, because they really loved Earned It. Yeah, they, they gave Earned It a lot of love, which that surprised me, because I that's not my favorite Weeknd song. But Can't Feel My Face got a lot of love, too. But yeah, The Hills was definitely left out. Um, Major Lazer's Lean On, I don't think was nominated for anything. And I love that song. Um, but Where Are You Now by Diplo and Skrillex and Justin Bieber mm-hmm. was nominated. So. But no, what do you mean for Justin Bieber? Did that come out in time? It did. Mm. It was out in uh, August, I think, or first week of September. No, it was August. Yeah. Did Justin have any nominations outside of Where nope. Are You Now? That's that, it. That's not terribly surprising. Next year could be his year with purpose. There's a whole lot of acts that just have never been nominated. Like One Direction has yet to have a single nomination. Yeah. Period. Yeah. So, you know, and... I made a list, a short list of people that were not nominated at all this year. Fifth Harmony, One Direction, Selena Gomez, Demi Lovato, Nick Jonas, Shawn Mendes, Ariana Grande. None of them got any Carly nominations. Carly Rae Jepsen. Carly Rae Jepsen. to that list, yep. Um, all of which had big pop hits, but um, th- there is a history of the Grammys having a difficult time reconciling sort of youthful pop acts or youthful skewing pop acts with uh, love and nominations from the Recording Academy. They kind of pick their favorites, it seems. And, and if you didn't kind of get that nod early on, you kind of just get forgotten about forevermore, it feels like. I mean, because even, you know, when you look back, like uh, Britney Spears was nominated for Best New Artist. Like she that's was. about as frothy as pop gets right there. And like these other new artists, like the Demis and the Selenas, you'd think that they would kind of get the same respect that a Britney did back in the day. But I guess they're not the cultural phenomenon that Britney was, maybe. I don't know. I, yeah, well, you know, a, a lot has changed in how the nomination process works with the Recording Academy and the Grammy Awards. Um, before the the Britney in sync Backstreet era, um, the way the the categories were were determined, the nominations were determined, was essentially a flat popular popular vote. Uh, within the nominating branches. Yeah. So if you were like numbers one, two, three, four, five in terms of vote getting, you, you those were in were the, the category. Yeah. So, but there was a time in the mid '90s when I believe it was the the Three Tenors live album. Okay. Was nominated for album of the year. Um, Michael Jackson's uh, History album, which was half greatest hits and mm. half new material, was nominated for album of they the year. They were like, we need to figure things out here. <laughs> so now, there's a little bit more wrong. of a uh, involved process, especially for the top four categories, where it is initially a popular vote Yeah, among all those that are submitted and eligible, or eligible and thus submitted. <laughs> Because some songs may be eligible, but are just never submitted. Oh, there was a situation with that this year. Drake's Hotline Bling. Yeah, I saw a lot of people in their snubs and surprises articles across the internet, including Hotline Bling. Hotline Bling was never submitted. It was never submitted by Drake. So we'll see if it maybe gets submitted next year when when, uh, his album comes out. Yeah, Views from the Six ever actually emerges. Which is a pretty smart strategy, if if that is the strategy, if they're going to hold that back. But who knows? Um, but yeah, the way it works now is that you have a popular vote and then, um, there is a, basically a, another review process of a a special committee of, uh, voting members within the Academy that then, uh, kind of sort through those vote getters to determine 
the final nominees Mm -hmm. for the big four categories. And so that's why sometimes you see those weird fluke things that show up in the top four categories, like artists that are nominated for Best New Artist that have no other support in any other category. Or like a D'Angelo for Record of the Year, or a uh, you know curveball, uh, other, an otherwise curveball. Because if you're just voting on like familiarity and the most popular stuff, some of those people would not be in the top four categories. Right. So there, there's this filter that happens, and it was engineered essentially in a way to to ensure that like stuff that should be nominated that just wasn't getting the popular vote is considered and i feel like it definitely worked like when you look at these top four categories there's not a lot to argue about there's There's, a there's a few things but there's not a lot yeah and all this all this all all that stuff that i said is is slightly more effectively uh, said on grammy.com uh they have a whole like faq about the nomination process and how does it work and there's a flow chart because every year a fan group gets upset and wants to know why their artist didn't get blah 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 yes go to grammy.com go to (laughs) grammy.com find out uh, one quirky nomination I want to point out. Yes. President Jimmy Carter, or, or former president. How does that work? Do we always refer to him as president? President. The AP style is President Jimmy Carter. President Jimmy Carter is nominated for a Grammy Award this year, as are Dick Cavett and actresses Jean Smart and Amy Poehler. Amy Poehler. I saw that. It's a great book, by the way. And all are in the same category for Best Spoken Word Album. It's a good way to get your EGOT. Yes. <laughs> and that is uh, um, the... Who was the redhead from Sex in the City? Oh, uh, Cynthia Nixon. Cynthia Nixon won a Best Spoken Word Grammy okay. a number of years ago. For and, an audiobook? Or? Uh, yeah, she was yeah. reading an audiobook. I think it might have, might have been the children's book. Okay. Something like that. Okay. Um, and that's how she has three out of the four for the EGOT. She, she has a Grammy, an Emmy, and a Tony Award. She's okay. just missing that Oscar. Looking for that big movie project. Come on. Sex in um, the City 3. <laughs> That may not be it. Um, Jimmy Carter previously won for best spoken word album, spoken word album in 2006 for Our Endangered Values: America's Moral Crisis. Did you know that Jimmy Carter is one of three presidents who have won Grammy awards? Only because it's written right in front of me. <laughs> no, I did not know that. What what other what other presidents have won Grammys? Well, Keith, Katie? Funny you should ask. Funny. Um, mm. I heard that Barack Obama actually has two wins so far. Oh, really? Yeah, for best spoken word album in 2007 for the Audacity of Hope, mm. and best spoken word album in 2005 for Dreams from My Father. I believe those are the the, the two only the two books that he's written. Yeah, yeah. And then Bill Clinton, two, two for two, got a couple as well. Bill Clinton. Little uh, best spoken word for 2004, My Life. Best spoken word album for children in 2003. Pronounce that one. Peter and the Wolf. I'm going <laughs> to go ahead and just skip over the other the part. Russian, the Russian <laughs> version of it. Oh, and Mikhail Gorbachev and Sophia Loren were yeah. uh, co-readers on that one yeah, with he, him. He, he won that Grammy that year with both Mikhail Gorbachev <laughs> and Sophia Loren. Uh, obviously. Love this category. Um I think this is how I think Betty White won a Grammy Award too for spoken word oh, one year. She, she needs to win everything. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, anything else to say about the Grammy Awards? You know, this is going to be our life for the next like two months and change, three months. Yes. Yeah, but we'll we'll be uh, giving you all the info you need to know about the Grammys leading up to it, and we'll both be there. You know, when it happens. So we, we will be. the The Grammys are in, uh, I believe, February this year. Yes. It's on a Monday. Okay, year. I didn't. Why do you keep telling me these things on the air? What? Surprise! <laughs> the Grammys are on a Monday this year. Why? I know. Okay. Just to go to Grammy.com to find out why. 
because that's what I'll do after this podcast. They haven't said they haven't said why specifically, but um, yeah. Okay, Monday. Yeah, got it. Um, new albums out uh, this past Friday include uh, Coldplay's "A Head Full of Dreams," uh, which is headed for a big debut on the Billboard 200 next week. Um, it could shift around 200,000 in total equivalent album units, which probably means it'll debut at number two on the Billboard 200 behind. Adele. Adele. There she is. There she is. (laughs) Oh, hey, girl. Uh, Coldplay notably left their album off of Spotify. They did. But I listened to it on Tidal on Friday. It's really great. Oh, I love it. You love it. I mean, I'm I'm the most biased person ever. I I love Coldplay, and this album is really good. And I liked our headline with our album review of it, where we said that Coldplay was moving to the dance floor. Ooh. (laughs) Which I enjoyed. Ooh. (laughs) <laughs> um what, what other songs uh, from your initial exposure of it do you are have you had enough to absorb to just sort of think like all right this other song seems like an obvious single yes because i actually got to see them perform twice before the album came out as well and they played one of these songs at both events that i was at and it was um the title track so it's called a head full of dreams okay. and to me the minute they started playing it i was like oh this is the next um uh, sky full of stars it actually even sounds kind of the same but um it's like another super upbeat super uplifting song in the in the same path as adventure of a lifetime i could definitely see that being if not the next single at least you know a single along the way you should work on getting chris martin on the show oh i would i'll get working on it right yeah. now yeah I'm, I'm drafting an email right now. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll gladly accept anyone from the band it doesn't have to be chris yeah absolutely i'm yeah. in all in yeah um, but yeah, so the, the album is, is really great and worth a listen. They also have some quieter stuff like their, their early albums. There's a song called Everglow that they actually re- released on Spotify before the album came out. Um, that is very much in the same vein as like yellow, very quiet, mellow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, so Adele will probably hold at number one for a third week with Coldplay coming in at number two, most likely barring, of course, a huge new surprise release that drops out of the sky like now (laughs) you never know we always have to say that beyonce could decide to throw out an album that's a duets album with a virtual michael jackson you never know (laughs) crazier things have happened i don't know if anything actually crazy we should tweet that idea at beyonce (laughs) yeah because she's so big on twitter um coldplay's last album for what it's worth uh ghost stories which came out in 2014 which really came out in 2014? Oh yeah, they just this it was just out, but they didn't tour around it, which gave them time to actually just go oh, right back into the studio. They were really trying to get that final album that they wanted to release. Ghost Stories was like the mellow post-divorce album. Like he's even said as Chris Martin has said as much, like he wanted to put out this like emo album that had all these songs about how he's feeling about getting divorced. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that last album, Ghost Stories, debuted at number one, selling 383,000 in pure album sales in its first week. It was their fourth straight number one album, and that's a streak that seems to be coming to a close this Adele week. sets records, and she ruins other people's records. And she, <laughs> and she takes them away. Um, other albums heading for uh, debuts next week, uh, G-Eazy's When It's Dark Out, Rick Ross's Black Market, and Troy Sivan's Blue Neighborhood. Yeah. Neighborhood spelled with an O-U-R. He's Australian. This is what happens. He's Australian. <laughs> um, by the way, Coldplay is playing the Super Bowl. Yeah. What, uh, obviously, you think that's amazing, Katie. Of course. Yeah, let's just... <laughs> this whole episode is just going to be Katie talking about how amazing Coldplay well, is. Well, I, I want I, I think, to... I think it's a cool choice. Yes. Um, I think that they have enough songs that the average Super Bowl watcher will be familiar with. Yes. So I think that already is working to their advantage. 
I think a lot of times people have a perception of Coldplay that is a lot like more like I was talking about the quieter, moodier stuff. They think about that stuff when they think of Coldplay. They don't think as much about the upbeat stuff. Right. And if you really look at all their albums and string together their upbeat hits, there's a lot of them and they're really good in concert. Um, they, and they put on a show like every show I've been to from them you know, confetti rains from the sky. There's gigantic bouncy balls and balloons bouncing around the audience. There's like laser light shows. They are really trying to be this generation's like you too. They have these huge impactful songs, both upbeat and slow and emotional. And I think their Super Bowl is going to be epic. Who are some of the guests on this new album? Well, Beyonce hmm. is one who has former a Super, Super Bowl experience herself. Former Super Bowl performer. Um, Tovlo is on a song. Not a former Super <laughs> Bowl performer. Noel Gallagher is on the song. Again, no. But maybe if we looked a little bit in the past, Princess of China featuring Rihanna, Rihanna. was a huge hit for them. Now, can you imagine if Beyonce and Rihanna showed up decided, you know, and collaborate with I Cole think we're going to get one or the other. We're going to get one of them. I don't see us getting both of them. I'm like, we might get Beyonce. <laughs> that would make sense. Um, but I could definitely see them bringing out some, some interesting guests, people who weren't actually on any of their previous albums, too. Right. But they obviously, they're in a very collaborative mood right now, so. Right. And it's not unusual that you would have, um, uh, you know, performer like a headliner joined by a surprise guest Katy perry was the headliner just this past year um and she was joined by lenny kravitz and missy elliott bruno mars was the headliner the year before and red hot chili peppers came Mm -hmm. out um so that's kind of normal um it is interesting to note that coldplay is probably the most contemporary rock band to play the super bowl as the headliner um other previous rock bands have headlined the show include u2 uh, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. I'm counting them as a band, even though it's really Bruce backed by them, but it kind of counts. Um, <laughs> Aerosmith, Rolling Stones, um, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. In fact, Coldplay is the first band or first rock band to headline the halftime show since 2010 when The Who. Yep. And I think that was sort of a, a weird kind of transition year where we're like, where do we go from here? Are we going new? Are we going classic? Are yeah. we staying with classic? Because that was coming after like a Rolling Stones, Paul McCartney kind of like yes, sixties dudes. Yeah, well, and every era. year um, Billboard puts out a poll where we suggest like fifteen people who could perform. What's Coldplay on that list this year? Never on this list. Oh. No, no. Um, I guess Billboard didn't. Somebody even think I've of always been suggesting because you Kidding. mentioned like they haven't had a more modern rock band. I have said that Foo Fighters seem like a really Which good would suggestion. Be amazing. And yes. I feel like that would be like across the board crowd pleasing, like yes. age wise, genre wise. People just love Dave Grohl in general. <laughs> so I'm kind of expecting that's going to happen at some point. I'm also surprised Bon Jovi's never done it before in the rock you know, category, whether it's new or old. I'm surprised about that. I don't know. Everyone thought that they would do the Jersey one, which ended up being Beyonce. Right. So. Yeah, they might have missed that boat because of, if they didn't get the Jersey Super Bowl. Which one are they going to get? Yeah, they're not just. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> um, uh, so um, now, actually, uh, we are going to pause for a moment for a word from our sponsor. When I listen to Audible, I'm not flying to my third sales meeting this month. I'm on a romantic date with my vampire boyfriend, Pierre. That pale skin, those dark, mysterious eyes, and those pointy teeth. Take me away, Pierre! Ma'am? I want to become queen of the night! Ma'am! Something to drink? Water, please? Audible. Stories that surround you. More than 180,000 audio titles, and your first download is free at audible.com. And uh, now we are moving on to the Billboard Hot 100. 
Adele's Hello is number one for a sixth week. You don't say. You may have heard of this song. <laughs> did you see the Miss Piggy and Muppets? Uh, Hello? I didn't actually. That's How did cute. I miss that? Because it was on during some big broadcast, it's, wasn't it? It's effectively just a commercial for the Muppets. Yeah. 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 It's cute. Um, it's adorable. Um, I'm trying to think. Are there any? It must have been on during the AMAs, maybe. Is that, that what it was? Sure. Let's yeah. just blame the AMAs for why we didn't see anything. We were um, there. <laughs> Selena Gomez, uh, Same Old Love, jumps into the top 10, rising 11 to 10. Uh, it gives Gomez a second top 10 single from her revival album, following Good For You, which peaked at number five. That's pretty impressive. It's the first time she's ever had two top 10 singles from, from the same album. album? Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Nice go, job, Selena. Go, Selena. <laughs> Former Pop Shop podcast guest, Selena Gomez. In fact, most people that we talk about on the show have actually been guests on the show. Except for Chris Martin, which I'm working on. You're working on that. <laughs> Let's make that happen. Um, oh, also, uh, fun fact, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You returns to the chart this week, re-entering at number 26, the uh, popular holiday standard at this point. Um, uh, makes its annual return. I think it's usually on the chart for a couple weeks every year. It peaked, it peaked at number 21 a couple years ago. Um and it didn't actually chart the first time it was released because it was never released as a commercial single back in 1994 when her album, Merry Christmas. It was just like promotion for her Christmas album, basically? It was just an album cut. Yeah. There was a mm. video. They never released it as a single. That's such a cute video. It's, it's Mariah Carey playing in the snow. Yeah. Come on. A little Sam outfit. How can you go wrong? <laughs> um, so we'll see if uh, it can uh, trump the number 21 uh, peak Ooh. and maybe finally also have a top 20 hit with all i want for christmas is you um but i i have no transition into something that is a little bit uh sad uh so we'll just say it uh, scott wyland the former front man of stone Cold pilots passed away on december 3rd uh, he was 48 years old a statement on his facebook page said that he had quote passed away in his sleep while on a tour stop in bloomington minnesota with his band the wildabouts um, of course, Swylan is best known as the former lead singer of the band Stone Temple Pilots, which earned huge success in the 1990s with hits like Plush, Interstate Love Song, and Vaseline. He later fronted the supergroup Velvet Revolver, released his own solo albums, and most recently led the band The Wildabouts. Uh, Katie, uh, have any thoughts about this uh, um, at all? I mean, I, I can say last week on Thursday, I was at home and happened to get a Twitter alert that this was a rumor at that point. Like yeah. people had heard that, you know, maybe something had happened and, and then it turned out to be, you know, very sadly true. And it just bummed me out because, you know, he's somebody who has had trouble with addiction his yes. entire life. Um, everyone's known about it. There've been legal issues. There's been rehab. There's been jail. There's been everything, but it seemed like he was kind of, you know, on the right track, got it back together I mean, he was nearly 50 years old. Like, he had survived it. You know, it seemed right. like he was he was good. And, and um, I actually got to see him live in May at the Bottle Rock Festival in um, Napa, California. And it was not long after a video had gone viral of him performing the Stone Temple Pilots song Vaseline with his band, The Wildabouts. Mm-hmm. It had gone viral for all the wrong reasons because it was him singing it, like, off-key, mumbling oh, some of the words and people you know thought the worst like maybe he was back to old habits and so i was very interested to see him live and and see like what scott i was gonna get right and um and the performance was great like he was super charismatic super um you know hit every note was just like the ultimate like 
rock god, you know, and, yeah. and sang a ton of STP songs. And people were loving the whole thing. And he even did Vaseline and did it great and owned it like, you know, he, you would expect him to. So I wrote an article for Billboard.com about him really redeeming himself after this, you know, online moment that everyone thought was this huge setback. And so that made me really sad, too. Like, I was super excited to write that thing about him having this redemptive moment. And right. then this happening, you know, in the same year just is tragic. Um, I, 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 along with, I think most people who lived in the nineties, uh, were fans of at, at least fans of STP's, uh, Stone Temple Pilots, uh, first three albums, because all of those songs were just blanketed all over alternative oh, radio. Yeah. Yep. Like if you lived in Southern California and turned on K-Rock, um, which is our big alternative station, probably the biggest alternative station in America, it was nothing but STP yeah. for like a good, like five years. Yeah. Um, everything from Core, Purple, and Tiny Music, uh, those three albums, all over the place. Um, and I was fortunate enough to have seen Stone Temple Pilots once. Um, again, I'm not like I, I'm not a um, like a diehard fan, but I was a fan enough to be like, I love their hit songs, and I would love to go see them. Yeah. And I actually got tickets while I was an intern at Billboard um, in 1996. Wow. Um, and it was kind of crazy. Uh, my former boss, uh, Jeff, who was the director of charts, um, got tickets for him and me, plus our plus ones. So there are four of us that went to the show. It was at Universal Amphitheater. And um, it was their first show after Scott had gotten out of rehab and had some trouble with the law. And there was like a whole string of things where like, they had to like cancel a tour with Kiss in support of Tiny Music, and there's just a lot of stuff that had happened. Yeah. And this was the first night of their tour that was, you know, finally going to happen. And and so we went, Jeff and me and our two plus ones, and we had great seats, and the show was great. And then at the end of the show, before the encore, Jeff said that he had to go. And I'm like, what? Why are you leaving? He's like, oh, it's fine. And he gave me his backstage passes. Oh, wow. And I'm like, what the... <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know what to do. Because I'm like some rube who like had never <laughs> been backstage anywhere. Right. And I didn't know how any of this stuff worked. And so he's like, all you have to do is just go through that door over at the end of the show. And there'll be some sort of backstage thing you get to go to and like, you know, meet some folks. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I'm like, uh. So after the show, we went to some this fabulous backstage area where lots of people milling about and you know i some college kid i don't know where to go like the internet barely existed so i couldn't like <laughs> google to find out like what's backstage <laughs> um so i was just happy to be like in this area yeah with other people don't know who they were at one point i think i talked to scott wyland's like cousin or aunt <laughs> um and they were just like so happy and Aww. i was like yay and there was like food but i wasn't sure if i was supposed to eat the food <laughs> and um and there was like another room and i wasn't sure if i was supposed to go into that other room and i'm like okay whatever anyway backstage experience the show was amazing scott Lyon was scott scott was on fire like it was just great um i come in for my next day at my internship mm -hmm. at billboard and i was telling jeff about the show and he's like, "Oh, did you meet the band?" I'm like, "Well, no. I there was like I didn't know." He's like, "No, you were that you had that was like the purpose. Like that pass you, were that you to had. represent Billboard and like, say what else you could have gone band. into that other room where the <laughs> band was at." I'm like, "I didn't know because I'm just a dummy." <laughs> oh. So, yeah, I missed my chance to mm. like, you know, talk to Stone Temple Pilots. Um 
sounds like some new age music is being <laughs> pumped into our room. I don't know if you heard that. So there's my memory of STP, and I actually reviewed that show for the Daily Trojan newspaper oh, at man. USC when I worked at USC at the time when I was a the entertainment editor. For Keith's the got a printout right here. I'm of holding the article. a printout. I'm holding a printout. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, November 6, nineteen. 19- 68? No, 1996. <laughs> you mentioned how, like, he, you know, everyone really liked the music, whether you were a huge fan or not. And my husband, who is a diehard hip hop fan, who has told me before that he doesn't like music with guitars in it, <laughs> which that's its own issue. Right. He said he owned two Stone Temple Pilots albums. Everyone did. Yeah. Like, so that, I mean, that showed just how universal it was. Plush, Creep, Big Empty, Vaseline, Interstate Love Song. Yeah. Um, Big Bang Baby, Tripping yep. on the Hole in the Paper Heart, Lady Picture Show. Yep. And those are just a handful. Yep. I mean, there were like a boatload of others. Yep. Um, anyway, he will be missed and his music will be missed. And um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, hey, you know what it's time for? What's it time for, Keith? It's time for your interview with Elle King. Oh my goodness. She was the sweetest and she is so excited about her grammy nominations she's nominated in best rock performance and best rock song for x's and o's um which is a huge song it's dominated the rock charts it's all over radio and um she could not be cuter or happier about this experience or, or cussier <laughs> she might have dropped a little f-bomb she but she's, she's excited yeah um but yeah so we we got her for just five minutes just to kind of bask in her happiness today and and um, here is our interview with L. King. One, two, three, they're gonna run back to me. They always wanna come, but they never wanna leave. Hi, L, and welcome to the Pop Shop Podcasting. Congratulations on your two Grammy nominations this morning. Thank you. Boy, I, I'm not I'm not sick of hearing that today. <laughs> I'm sure. And uh, this is your first time being nominated for a Grammy, so can you tell us how you, how you found out and, and what was your reaction? Um, I, I was in shock. I found out I woke up, um, me and my bassist watched, um, Alicia Keys announcing the names and I didn't hear my name called in those four categories. And so I was like devastated. And then my mom called and was like, baby, it's okay. There's going to be other Grammys. And I was like, wait, I'm pretty sure that there are other things. I need to look at the website. And I saw my name, and then my manager called, and we started jumping up and down. My tour manager came and screamed. I'm pretty sure woke up all of the Hilton, <laughs> and uh, we we popped some champagne. I stared at the ceiling for about an hour and a half in shock, and now I'm pacing back and forth with excitement. <laughs> yes, y'all, your fans got to see you popping bubbly on uh, Twitter. That was very cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, And, you know, you're nominated for Best Rock Performance and Best Rock Song for X's and O's. And since you're the performer and the songwriter, it has to be pretty cool to get nominated, you know, on both sides as a writer and as a performer. Oh, it's totally awesome. I'm I'm really happy that I get to sing the songs that I write. And whether it's co-written or whether I write them alone, um, this was co-written with my friend Dave Bassett, who's a genius. And... um, this is just a dream come true. It's so crazy, and I, I can't even. I'm always so chatty. I can't even find my words. I don't know what to do with myself. I just am like, I don't know what. It's insane. I don't know who would have ever thought this. You know, you dream about it when you're a little kid, but I never thought that this would ever happen in a million years. So I'm, I'm just, I don't know. It's so crazy. It's an honor. 
Yeah, and we've we've watched this song just totally take off this year and, and dominate the rock charts and dominate radio. Did you have any idea how special it was when you wrote it? I mean, I had no idea that it would do this. I had no idea that it would get me nominated for two fucking Grammys. Sorry, pardon my language. <laughs> um, uh, you know, we wrote it, and we were just, like, kind of laughing and having fun, which is, I think, how a lot of um, good things come, unless they're heartbreaking songs and those come from tears and pain. This was not one of them. And um, it's just one of those things that is a great, surprise of life, and um, I I just, I don't know what to say. This is just the craziest thing that's ever happened to me. Um, and I probably won't win, but I get to at least go and see my face up there and on the screen and, and make a funny, nervous-looking face. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Have you been to the Grammys before, or will this be your first time? No, I never thought they'd let me in, let alone nominate me. <laughs> So, like, what are you expecting from that, that very first time, you know, walking the red carpet, not just being there as a musician, but being there as a nominee? Um, I, I have no idea. I'll probably be frozen and looking around and seeing everyone that I love and obsess, and, like, and I can't even speak. I'm just tongue-tied. I don't, I don't know. I'm just excited. I'm, I know I'm going to bring my mom, my sweet little mommy, so we'll get dressed up, and it's always been our dream She's, you know, she always said that I would get nominated for a Grammy and, and that we would go together and have fun. And and um, I just, it's like the coolest thing that's ever happened. And as a music fan, do you have a favorite Grammy moment from watching the show while you were growing up? Um, you know, last year, Grammys were amazing, I have to say. And then I think, I don't remember what year it was, but... There's, there's always a bunch of moments, but there was a Yeah, Yeah, Yeah performance, and that was, like, unbelievably beautiful. Um, but the Annie Lennox and Hozier performance last year was insane. Um, also, ACDC opening the show was incredible. I'm a huge ACDC fan, so um, I look forward to seeing what, you know, the, they put together for this year and, and having a seat and probably, hopefully, close to the front, because I'm actually nominated for something, so it was just so cool. <laughs> and, you know, your album came out in February, and you've been promoting it all year, and um, so what's next? Are you going to keep, you know, staying on the road and touring, or are you going to get back in the studio? What do you want to do next? I'm pretty sure I'm going to be touring for, like, the next, the rest of my life, and uh, <laughs> I, I have not made out with enough boys to even think about album two, so... <laughs> There, there's time. There's some life experience that you need to gather before the next one. Definitely. Maybe a couple Vegas marriages. We'll see. Awesome. I love it so much. Thank you so much for hopping on the phone with us. It's, you know, we're just really excited for you, and I uh, just want to congratulate you on, on your big day. Oh, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you, Al. <laughs> Thanks again to Elle for calling in and talking to Katie. That was awesome. Um, and congratulations. Yay, <laughs> Congratulations. Yay. Someday, someday we could be nominated for a Grammy, Katie. Um, well, I don't know. Spoken word, pop shot podcast, maybe? You never know. <laughs> uh, best liner notes. Like, <laughs> okay. We could write liner notes. There you go. Totally. I, I mean, I, I need to start writing liner notes, and then maybe I can make that happen. Oh. <sighs> 
Um, but now do you know what time it is? Okay, what time is it now? It's time for the chart stat of the week. Yeah. <laughs> This week in 1978, aw, freak out! Chic's disco anthem, Le Freak, danced its way to number one for its first of six weeks atop the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Le Freak hit number one on the December 9th, 1978 dated chart. The group, led by Nile Rodgers and Bernard Edwards, would later top the chart with good times. Though disco fizzled in the early 1980s, Rodgers and Edwards continued to chart an impressive career as producer-writer-musicians. Rodgers would produce number ones for Madonna and David Bowie, while Edwards would produce Rod Stewart and Jody Watley, among others. Edwards sadly passed away in 1996, but Rodgers' career continues to flourish. He topped the Dance Club Songs chart earlier in 2015 with a new chic single. A new album from the group is also on the way. And he won three Grammy Awards in 2014 for his work on Daft Punk's Random Access Memories album and its single, Get Lucky. So there you go. This week in 1978, Chic hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100 with The Freak. We'll be back next week. Yeah. Um, Katie, do you do you have any uh, parting glances or words? Oh, no parting words this week. I'm just going to be, uh, you know, ready for this Grammy-filled next few months. God, it's like two months of just Grammy goodness. Grammy season has begun. Grammy season has begun. Um, what should we go out on? I mean, now we need Le Freak. Le Freak. So Say chic. chic. Freak out. <laughs> um, let's go out on Chic's Le Freak. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Sounds good. See you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>